0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. We're in this series that I'm calling Move Forward, and we're talking about who do you love? Have you done that? Have you gone to a life group or have you had a conversation where you start talking about, all right, this is, this is the passion of my heart. These are the kinds of people that I would like to reach because what I'm wanting to do is shift how we pursue ministry or how we pursue our calling. And, you know, I think your purpose is fulfilled when you receive Christ personally. Like, in other words, the reason God created you is to be his child. Like, if you were to ask God, why did you create me? He'd say, because I wanted you as my child. And there's all kind of scripture for that. If we were to go back and and relook at all the, you know, the beginning of this series, you look at that, God's intention was to have a family. He wasn't lonely, he wasn't lacking, but as an expression of his love, here you are. (laughs) And that's it. You are breathing air with the spirit of the living God within you because you've said yes to what Christ did for you. Your purpose is fulfilled. Amen? So now that you know who you are in Christ and you are living in your purpose just because you acknowledge God in your heart as your Father, now you're commanded to love, right? All, thank God you don't have the 633 laws to keep. You've got two. And they're not even for righteousness. They're for to represent Him. You realize that? I mean, the commandments that God gives us under this new covenant are proper ambassador rules, right? It's like, this is how you are to represent me. You're to walk in love. You are to love, in fact, love others like you want to be loved. And if you do those things, you fulfill all of the law, he says, you know, when they try to trap him. So I'm just, I'm wanting to tweak our thinking. You know, today I don't necessarily have anything to teach you. I'm kind of wanting you to enlarge your expectation that's how we started this whole series off. Hope is confident expectation. And I want you to realize you're not limited to your own intellect, your own strength, your own ideas, your own network. Because when you co-labor with God, things happen way beyond what you could ever dream up. But it's that co-laboring aspect that we have to learn how to rest within. And that's what, that's what grace is. When you can turn your heart toward him, let him empower you, let him influence you. Then you slide into that, entering into that rest. You know, it's like you labor to enter into rest, which seems like a paradox. It's like, wait a minute, I got to work to rest? And so we think we get to kick back and do nothing after we've labored, but the laboring that you do, what's the, what's the laboring that we do under the new covenant? Trust and believe. The labor that you do, to enter into the rest is believe. It's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to trust sometimes. You know, some of us have been taught that faith is like this elusive thing out there that if you do, if you impress God enough, he'll give you some more of it. You ever looked at faith like that? God, I need some more faith. What do I need to do to get you to give me some more faith? I was like, no, faith ultimately is just trust. How persuaded are you of who Jesus is? that determines how great or how little your faith is. Not how much of it you have, but how convinced are you of who he is. And so once you understand that and you rest within that, it's easy to just kind of kick back and say, man, I've been striving my entire life. I think I, I I just kind of want to kick back and enjoy life a little bit, you know. I don't think there's one thing wrong with that. As long as you're keeping your heart open for him to move through you. And honestly, I think if you do that, the best way to do that is find that area of passion that lives within your heart for other people and let Him empower that area. Expect God to empower your passion. You know, passion is an intense emotion. It's strong, barely containable enthusiasm. It doesn't mean we start, you know... Running around here, throwing chairs and waving flags. But I mean, what are you excited about? Do I need to stop for a minute? Am I going too fast that I have too much coffee? I'm Because I'm out the gate. Sea Biscuit. I watched Sea Biscuit the other night and I just want to run. Who cries over a horse anyway? You say, have you seen that movie, Sea Biscuit? If you hadn't seen it, you need to watch it. Passion, right? Because how many of you, if God appeared before you and said, this is what I want you to do for the rest of your life, just do this. How many of you would do that? Working on it, yeah. You know he's not going to do that. (laughs) But you're waiting on him to tell you to do it. He's like, like Moses, what are you crying to me for? I already gave you what you need. Use that staff. Go. Right? You have a part to play. You have a co-laboring to play. You, you, God gave you an imagination for a reason. It wasn't just to, you know, lust after things that your neighbor has. It was to shape up this thing within you that God can build something into. I was watching this video the great prophet Denzel Washington said. <laughs> He said, I think he said it this way. He was talking to some actors, right? But just kind of, you know, whatever. But, he, but he said, I think he said it this way. He said, faith is proof from God that you can have that thing. So think about that. The fact that you have faith for something, would God let you have false hope? Now, I'm talking biblical things that are in line with the wisdom of God, and the, the Word of God, not stuff that you just... Make up to consume upon your own lusts. To use a biblical term, I think a Bugatti is in the will of God, yes. With the powder blue, with the... Anyway. Glory. There's a lot of glory on a Bugatti. But it's like... You know, because I, I, I do want to shift our thinking away from, God, what am I supposed to do? To I, If I could live out of this passion that I have for people, man, I'm telling you, that defines your calling. That defines your direction. Your passion in your heart for people Amen. is your calling. And so you're commanded to live out of this passion. And it is that passion, that love for others that will... It's God's strategy to reach the world. Amen. It just is. And then along the way, he adds all these things to you. Oh, you need to prophesy to that one? Here, here's a word for them. Oh, you need to lay hands on them, watch your brain tumor disappear? Here, I'll co-labor with you, and well, let's get that done. You know, it's not about the stuff. Amen. It's about, what is, where is my passion? What do I have enthusiasm for? That's the question, right? I'm, I'm asking you. Y'all are looking at me like I'm supposed to tell you. No, What is your passion? not just something that you pull up out of thin air that's out of your selfish, vain imagination, but a God-inspired passion for people. Who are those people? You know, we heard an amazing testimony last week of Christian Shade. Didn't they do a great job? Don't you appreciate what they did? You know, here they are, just walking, feeling their way through, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, it's like you kind you can't really help it when you're living out of your passion, you can't really help it or stop it. You just kind of stumble into opportunities, you know what I mean? You, and now, if you have codependent issues, you're going to stumble into the wrong opportunities, and you're always going to get used and abused, and you're always going to be hurt and broken. And you're going to think, God, why do you keep doing this to me over and over and over and over again? I'm not talking about them. <laughs> I'm talking about you. <laughs> because we do live out of our passions, but, it, but because we don't have healthy boundaries, we don't understand our identity in Christ, we get our passion, a genuine passion, leads us to cast our pearls before swine. In other words, put ourselves in situations where we're trying to help broken people while we're still broken, you know. And so we want to come to this place of wholeness and then live out of this passion. You're waiting for God to tell you what to do. We all want to do only what... We, we, all, would lo, we all would pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed. Not my will, but your will. All I want to do is what you lead me to do. I only want to say what you tell me to say. And we think we've got to get more spiritual for that, but I'm telling you, if you let passion drive you, if you let your love for others be the the focus of your heart and your mind and and how can I impact the world, who do I love to the degree that it drives action, You you don't have to try to hear God. You're just going to. I'm telling you, you just will. It's how it works. You keep his commandments, his spirit will flow through you. Not because it's a reward for keeping the law, but it's just the way that your heart works, right? Amen? Let's look at this passage. So today, again, you know, I'm going to jump to uh, Isaiah 54 four two, because this is kind of where I see I want us to go this week and in the upcoming weeks and even this whole year when you're thinking about, all right, I, I mean, I... I'm hearing this. This sounds good. I want to love people. I realize it's what Jesus wants me to do. I realize it's the impact that actually makes a difference, and it's not effort-based. It's not performance-based. I want to walk in love. You have to let God then empower you to move in that area because we all have great ideas, but we're not doing anything with most of them, right? That's where the grace comes in, and that's what we're talking about today is making room for God. And it's not really anything that you do other than just make a decision. I'm, I'm going to stop limiting you. So just go ahead right now in your mind, in your heart, just make the decision. I won't limit you anymore, God. You can say it out loud if you want, or just, but make that decision inwardly. I'm, take, I'm, I'm not going to limit what God wants to do through me. When I feel inspired to act in love, when I feel inspired to move on something that I feel like is a godly desire, I'm not going to run it through my intellect and limit what he wants to do through me. Amen? So Isaiah 54, too. Let's look at that. This is right before or this is right after this description of the Messiah and, you know, God's prophesying through Isaiah to the nation of Israel of what he's going to do through them. <clears throat> and you get this idea, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. You know, I get this picture. That's what I want the inside of my, myself to be like. I'm increasing. You can just kind of feel yourself almost increase. Today's a bit of a mind renewal process, uh, uh, exercise, right? So can you feel that? It's like, all right, God, you are, you are I mean, think about this. God, the most powerful being, force, not just force, he's person, he's God, is in you. I mean, how could something bigger than the universe be within you? You It's like, I'm going to increase the capacity of my heart. I'm stretching out my, I'm making more room for God in me. Amen? Look at this story. I love this. This is something that I think about often. Luke 9. Flip over to Luke 9. Y'all need to start bringing y'all's Bibles to church. We're making it easy for you. (laughs) Luke 9, verse 1. Now, this is, up until this point, Jesus had been walking with the disciples. He had been modeling to them, teaching them, showing them what it's like. He didn't send them out, but this is the first time that he sends them out. He's going to go his own way, and they're going to go their own way. And later, he does it to another 70. So you got 35 teams because he sends them out in groups of, well, you actually have 41 teams because you got the original 12. And then you have the the 70 that he puts together. You know, Jesus was into sending people out. So, But I love this story here. Uh, Luke 9, verse 1, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power (laughs) and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. Now, we love that part, right? Let's get to casting devils and curing diseases. And that's good. We want that. But where I'm going is really the bigger point that I want. I don't want to take away from that but it's not the point. So, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Apparently, in the kingdom of God, it is God's will for people to not be sick. You have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Not you're going to be. You have been. That's a freebie. We'll just leave that one there. Verse three. And this, I think this is the attitude and the mindset that we need to have. In other words, he will provide. He told them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever, your, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, I'm telling you, this is a big one. If people do not welcome you, bug the snot out of them until they change their mind. (laughs) Worry, be afraid, figure out how to reach them. No. People don't welcome you, leave. I can feel it. Some of you are like, how, how do I... Leave. Say leave. 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 leave their town and shake off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. You can pray for them. That's all right. You can still pray for them. So they set out, went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now watch this. Skip down to verse, a later verse here. I won't tell you just yet. Don't, don't put it up just yet. You can take that down for a second. Now think about this, right? This is the original twelve. There's a doctrine in erroneous Christianity called cessationism that says that the gifts were only for the original 12 to establish the church, and then those gifts went away. Now, I guess some of them make provision for the 70 because they also walked in power, but cessationism says it was only for those original 12 to establish the church. They had the power, they had the authority to represent God, and then God took that away. God doesn't do miracles anymore. Eh, wrong. But look at this, and I love this. You know, who's this guy is my question. Verse 49, jump down to verse 49. Now, this is John, the one that Jesus loved, self-proclaimed of John, the one that would lay on his chest and recline with him and recline against him, the one that knew the love of Jesus. John, says this, Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Keep it on that for a minute. Think of, now think about that. John. Are you thinking about it? Good, because I'm not going to say anything until you think about it. Seriously, John walked with Jesus, saw him, we told that one to stop because he doesn't go to our church. We told that one to stop. He, doesn't, he can't do what we do because he didn't go to our school. Now, they went to the best school on the planet, obviously. But this is the attitude. This is the mindset. He doesn't know what we know. We told him to stop. Where did John get this idea? Because look at Jesus' response. Verse 50, do not stop him. For whoever is not against you, or me, in other translations, is for me. If he's not against me, what if that was our qualification of whether or not other people are believers? Is he against me? Nope. Well, then he's for me. Count him a brother. Amen. Count her a sister. Yeah, but they don't, they don't get the doctrine right. That's, they're not... Is he against me? Nope. Then they're for me. What if we just were that... Welcoming. What if we were that open toward other people? Now, see, again, my goal here today is just, just to kind of get you to increase the expectation of co-laboring with God. Here's a guy. Who is this guy? Apparently, he heard Jesus somehow give power to the 12, and he's like, I'm doing that too by himself. Think about it. Who is this guy? Not even mentioned by name, mentioned one time. This guy's out doing the stuff, representing Jesus, walking in the power that Jesus gave the disciples, and he's out there doing it. and Jesus said, to let him do it. Amen I want that to be you. You don't have the special anointing. It doesn't exist. You don't have the right church. You don't have the right calling. You're just some dude that heard that it could be done, and you go out there and do it. I mean, you know, how did this guy, I've thought about this, how did this guy know? Was he hiding? Was he following them, wanting to be, you know, and he heard Jesus? and like, oh, I'm going to go do that. Let's just see if it works, you know. He just went out there and did it. That's you. Quit waiting. Quit waiting for Jesus to turn the scepter towards you and say, you're one of the 12, now do it. Jesus is like, if you are you, you against me? All right, fine. Do your thing. He didn't say go get him, bring him here. Let me teach him for three years. <laughs> you know, he didn't say, "Oh, well, go make sure that he knows this." Is he? Is he an Isra- Is he a, you know an Israelite? Is he a Philistine? Is he? What? Where did he come from? What's he saying about me? Nothing. Is he against me? Nope. Then he's for me. I just, I just feel it getting bigger inside. That is the attitude of Jesus. Amen. Are you against me? Nope. Then you're for me. Amen. Don't stop him. 2 Kings 4. This is a powerful story. This is a, uh, <clears throat> this is a woman whose husband served God and died. And uh, she, well, it, let's read. They shut up and read, no, don't say that. 2 Kings verse four. Right. Second Kings four, verse one. "The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, "So Elisha, right, <clears throat> um, who had a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had. How many of you want a double portion anointing? I just tricked you. You got Jesus. There ain't no double portion. There's one portion. It's Jesus. You got it all. Say, I got it all. all. You lack nothing. There's not anything left for you to get. Sorry. The wife of a man of the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his. it's it's almost like she's kind of given these credentials. It's funny how we... But anyway, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. You see, the, you see the picture, right? This woman's husband died, and the creditors are coming to take her two sons to go be slaves. I mean, what, what, what would you do in that position? Somebody's showing up. Give us your kids. You owe. Verse 2, Elisha replied to her, well, how can I help? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing. So he's like, what do you have in your house? She says, your servant has nothing at all except the small jar of olive oil. (laughs) So the very thing that she says, well, I I don't know, but I've got this. Watch. He's like, that's what I'm going to use then. Watch. Verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for their empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Remember that. Don't ask just for a few. Uh, Travis reminded me of this story this week when we were talking about where this message was going to go, and it it just fits so perfectly. Verse 4, Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, she's got one small jar, right? And he's telling her, pour, fill up another jar, and as it's full, set it aside, fill up the next jar. What's she got to be thinking? Well, how, how's that going to work? I got this jar, and you want me to get these jars. It's going to fill up the bottom maybe, right? But yet it was her that said, well, I've got this. You know, this is what's in my hands. It's like what God said to Moses. You know, what's in your hands? Well, I've got this stick. All right, let's use that. What's in your hands that you think that God can't do anything with? Are you feeling it? Verse five. "She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. left She left him. Not, will you come and watch and make sure I do it right?" Kind of the same attitude as Jesus displayed. Just let him go. She left him, shut the door behind her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Say, so keep pouring. I'm going to keep pouring. She kept pouring. Now, she had a choice, right? She could have said, This isn't going to work. I only have a little bit of oil here. You're saying that. I've only got this. I only have this is what I see. This is what I think. She said, No, I'm going to do what God thinks. Or at least she just did it. You know, who knows what she was thinking. But she did it, right? She stepped out there. Verse 6. Now, this is interesting. This is fascinating. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. There's an account in Psalm of the Israelites that's also talked about in Hebrews that says that um, they limited the Holy One of Israel. There's a few references where, you know, Moses struck a rock and enough water came out of that to nourish, I don't know, three million people every day for 40 years. And there's a reference that God says, you know what, I wanted to give you honey out of the rock. It says that they couldn't enter... The promised land that God had promised them—a land flowing with milk and honey, more provision than they could reserve. In fact, He left. He told them, I, "I love this. This is so. It's interesting." But so that when they finally crossed the Jordan and went into the land, they only took the land that was that God would lead them to. But it was almost as if God let the enemy stay in the rest of the land. Now, I'm not saying God's using the devil in your life, but this is just God's mindset. God used those giants to, to continue to prepare that land for when they were ready, they'd step into it. God's got things out there for you that people are working on for you. You don't even know yet. But when you're ready to step into it, they're like, okay, land flowing with milk and honey. You will live in houses that you didn't build. You'll reap from vineyards that you didn't plant. Not so that you can have stuff, but so that you can be a testimony of God on this planet. Enlarge, man, I'm telling you, enlarge your expectation. Why would God tell us these stories? There's a, there, there's not just, this is not just so that we would be in awe of God. This is so that we would have hope. All the promises of God are yes and amen so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. It's not about stuff. It's about you representing God unlimitedly. Can I say that? I don't know. Then the oil stopped flowing. What would have happened had she kept bringing more jars in? She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. Not, okay, now we have enough oil to supply the temple so the holy people, men of God, can anoint, you know what I mean? It's like, no, go sell it, pay your bills. You don't get more practical than that. Hey, man of God, my husband's dead. I got creditors coming to take my family. He's like, here's some supernatural oil. Sell it. Pay your debts. God wants to meet your needs. Amen. Amen. This is an example of him meeting your needs with his riches and glory. Expect it. Go sell it. Pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. Don't don't muzzle the ox as he's treading out the grain. You're serving God, you're walking, you benefit. Amen. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 3. To me, Ephesians 3, uh, the, the latter part is is probably the best functional description of how grace works. Not just what the doctrine is. In other words, you're saved by grace through faith and out of works. You know, it's a gift. So grace, how does it work? I think this is a perfect explanation, and this is a prayer of Paul. I pray that out of his glorious riches. See, when I hear a phrase like that, out of his glorious riches, it's like, man, how many pots do I have? Because his glorious riches, out of his glorious riches, he's going to keep just flowing. He's going to keep just flowing. And, And see, you couple this with, I have this passion in my heart toward people. Jesus commands me to walk in love. That's the pot that I'm going to let God pour oil into. Are you following me? Yes. It's not this pot of this business idea that I have, per se. It's like that's one of the overflow pots. This love that I have, the very commandment of God to walk on this planet, walk in love, it was going to be so overflowed that it's going to... I you mean, know, I imagine these pots had names on them, right? It's love. Her children. She had love for her children. And it's like that pot got filled first and made that hole. And then it overflowed into maybe her business and her house and what, you know, I mean, I'm just kind of making that up, but imagine it. Think about it, right? More than she needed. That's what it looks like, I'm telling you. The blessing of God will overflow and spill into every area of your life, but you have to start in the area of your love for other people. See, we're like, Boy, if I get this structure worked out, then I'll have time to love people. Once I get this in place, then I can do that love stuff. Then I'll do some ministry. You know what I mean? But I'll get this, I'm get this pot full and get my money right. <laughs> then I'll go love some people. It's backwards. Let him fill up your passion pot. Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Do you expect God to strengthen you? I mean, that's, that's the prayer. God inspired Paul to pray this. When you're weak, I mean, what, what, how do you let God empower you and strengthen you? you? You set an empty pot there and you let him fill it. So you're complete in spirit in him, but in your heart, that's where you... Well, let's keep going. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. I see, the, I see the story. That strengthening of His Spirit in your inner being is that oil being poured out into you. And it's, it's limitless. Amen. And it fills you up. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts... Through faith. Well, I thought Christ was already in my heart. See, There's an element of you turning your heart continually toward God through your mind, through your thoughts. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Set your mind on things above. Whatsoever is lovely, pure of good report, think on these things. Because when you think on those things, it's as if you're opening those doors of your heart to let that oil be poured in there to overflowing capacity think on these things what's true lovely Amen. pure good report and then you and then you and then you let that sit within your love for others so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and grounded established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, this oil that just keeps pouring, to know that, to experience, this is the word nosco. it's an experiential knowledge. It's not just I've got the information. It's I'm experiencing this love. I'm experiencing this inner man being strengthened and filled with his spirit. This is, this is a kind of an ongoing description of the baptism in the Spirit. Baptism in the Spirit is not after you get saved, then you get baptized in the Spirit, then you can pray in tongues. The baptism in the Spirit is, a, is like an ongoing thing that you are immersed in the Spirit of God, and it is immersed within you, and you are one in, in Him, and He is in you, this picture that Jesus gives of our unity in Him. We are hidden with Christ in God, and He prays that we would be one with each other as he is with God and God is in us and he is in Christ is in God together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide long high deep is the love of Christ and to know verse 19 and to know this love that passes knowledge it's better it's better than knowledge it's not that uh God says, well, you don't need some knowledge, just let me love you. It's like, no, love is higher than knowledge. Like, the knowledge is in the love. When you're motivated by love, you just kind of know what to do. It's not like either love or knowledge. It's love encompasses the knowledge, amen? It's higher, it's better, it surpasses. And to know this love, to experience this love. So he's talking about these pots, this oil, Your heart is this pot being filled with the oil of God, being filled with his love for you. That is what he's pouring out into you is his love for you. Not money to pay your debt because that's what gets birthed out of this. He's pouring his love into you. His love has everything in it that you need. See, then Jesus has made unto you wisdom and knowledge and sanctification. That's why we focus so much on love, and you need to experience the love of God for you because it is what he's trying to give to you. And you you can experience it by, for me personally, I experience it the most when I'm just thinking about what Jesus did for me. You know, the decision that he made in that garden to let himself get arrested and nailed to that cross and, and be separated from God and pass into the grave. I mean, that's very real for me. That's what does it for me, to know this love that passes knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God or made whole, right? You're that pot. You're just this woman that says, I need some help. I've got this. I I, I don't really know. And God's like, well, just keep putting pots out because I am not going to leave you, and I am not going to withhold from you. I will supply all of your needs because I love you. And my love produces this wholeness. It fills you to the measure of the fullness of God. I mean, you can't get much more full than that. What what is that? The measure of all the fullness of God. Again, increase your tense. Enlarge the capacity of your heart to trust and expect God to work in you and through you beyond your own strength, beyond your own capacity, beyond your own understanding, rooted in love. Amen? It's like we've get you know, it's like, if <laughs> it's really so simple. But because we've got all these letters from all these different perspectives and, and you've got all these well-meaning teachers that have separated and splintered out all these doctrines and made it about doctrine and steps and rules and, An academic approach to theology, it's like, no, it's really pretty simple. God loves me. God made a way to save me, directly connect me with him, and he continues to pour that love into me. And out of that love, I become whole, and then I let that love out. That's about the only doctrine that you really need to know. That's what Jesus said. Two of them. Where am I? All right. This is the good part. So you've allowed him to strengthen you in your inner man. He's pouring his love into your heart, just like those pots. He's filling you up. He's like, just keep bringing me pots. Just keep bringing me pots. You just keep bringing me pots. You bring me your love for your kids. You bring me your business. You bring me your debt. You bring me your neighbors. You bring me your in-laws. You bring me your passion for those people in Africa. You bring me those people for passion in Philippines. You bring, keep bringing me those pots. Let me fuel your passion. And watch, I'm telling you. you, Because we would all do what's on our heart to do if we just knew how to do it. I think this is how you do it. Let him love you. Let him strengthen and empower that area. That's where you have to have this connection with him. You have to put the pot out. What if that woman hadn't done that? Verse 20, now to him, now why would God tell you this about himself? Think about it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. It's like he's saying, look, I want to work through you. I, I, I will love you. I love you. My love for you will bring this wholeness that you so desperately long for. And it will bring you to such a place of wholeness that it spills out. And in the very spilling out of you letting God love you, you fulfill the commandments of Christ. And then he says, oh, by the way, I can do that immeasurably more than you can ask or Imagine. I have a pretty big imagination. How about you? It doesn't, it doesn't work just because you have righteous intention in your imagination. There's something in this putting out of the pots and letting and engage, engaging with him in your heart and then stepping out in it, right? Yeah. That's the part that, that's, your, that's your part. That's your responsibility. I mean, I, and nobody can tell you exactly how that happens. You might find better language for it that helps us understand and inspire but at this point, it's like, all right. And next week, we're going to dig down a little bit deeper and maybe walk away with the plan personally for you and where your area of passion is. But today, increase your tent pegs. It's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how. But God, you, you told this about, you told, you're describing yourself to me. And apparently, you want me to know that you can do more than I can ask or imagine. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have put it in here. I mean, why would God want you to know that about him? You ever meet people and and they start telling you about who they are? That was going to go somewhere I don't want to go, so let's just, I'm going to go back on this. God does it in a healthy way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, 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 Measure, you cannot measure what he's able to do. There's no end to what he can do. And he defines it as, as he wants to do it through you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. Right now. So think about that. Right now, this oil is flowing through you. Do you see it? I mean, this love that God has for you, it, it's a continual, this helmet of salvation, it's a continual reminder in your thoughts that you are saved. And this breastplate of righteousness is a continual reminder that he's, that he's sustaining you in his righteousness, and he's constantly filling you up. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout ever throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now I love Psalm 24, and I want to I want to end on this because it's just such a such an interesting picture. Because contrary to popular opinion, God is not controlling you. People say God's in control. We have to we have to we have to stand in awe of the majesty and the mystery of his sovereignty. Well, that sounds really poetic. Well, let me just tell you the mystery of his sovereignty that you love so much is that he gave you a choice. Like you confront these guys that teach this ultra-sovereign, hyper-Calvinistic message that God has ordained everything and everything that happens is God allowing it to happen. And it's like, well, okay, well, so you're telling me that God's telling this person to go rape 27 children over there. Well, no, I'm not saying God, that God wouldn't do that. See, that's where you have to... And you have to appreciate the mystery of his sovereignty. Well, the mystery of his sovereignty is that dude had a choice. I love this. Psalm 24. This is a Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And And he gave you dominion over it. It belongs to him, but we're managing it in the meantime. Amen? Amen? Amen. He doesn't violate what he declared in the beginning, and that is he gave it to mankind, dominion to mankind. It's like a lease. It's like we have a lease over the planet. You know, Sarah and I rented our old house for the last year. I can't go over there and walk in there and tell them how to cook their food and how to treat their children and where to put their furniture. I own the house. I can stand outside and knock on the door and say, hey, I would like for you to take better care of that toilet in there. But I can't walk in there and make them do what I want them to do, even though I own it. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, <clears throat> the world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend Can you flip over to the King James? Because it's about to go into something. I forgot to tell you that on this one. Y'all good? Do you feel the inside expanding? I want the inside of you to be bigger than the outside. I want your expectation of what God wants to do in you and through you and for you to the to glorify Himself. See, you got to have this picture of yourself. You don't. You're going to benefit. You're going to get to have some incredible experiences and have nice stuff, but that's not the point. The point is God is making you into a testimony of His glory. Amen. That's why we're looking at this. God, I just, I just want the world to see how good you are. Verse 3, he, he, who, sh- who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Now, You've got to realize that some of these prophesied questions were fulfilled in Christ. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? Well, Jesus did that. So you can't go back and read this Old Testament stuff and forget about Jesus. Amen. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is read the Psalms and see where Jesus fits in. When, when I was progressing through my salvation path and experience because of my journey and what I thought was going on in my life and all this demonic stuff that was going on, I'd read Psalms and I would see, man, this is Jesus in the grave experiencing Hades on my behalf. He knows what I'm going through. And And I can have victory because he's already been there and conquered it. I don't have to go there. That was very real and personal for me. But you can't forget Jesus when you go back and read this. So Jesus, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Well, Jesus. I've got you thinking deep. Oh, that was. Uh, verse 4, He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. So Jesus did that for you. Does it mean that you can lift up your hands to vanity and swear deceitfully? No, it doesn't mean it gives you permission to do that. It's just that you're in Jesus. All right, so... Verse 5, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation that will seek him. That they seek my face, O Jacob. Lift, and this is where I'm going. I just didn't want to leave out that first part, but verse 7. This is, I think this is an instruction to you. How do you let God fill you with his love? How do you experience his love for you? How do you keep putting those pots out to let that oil Continue to flow. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Talking to people, you are the gate. Well, I tell you what, I went to this church and they had an open portal in heaven and it was just off to the left front corner of that. No, you're the open portal to heaven. You, you are the gate. You are in that heavenly holy of holies in Christ and God brings his presence into this earth through you. So lift up your head. Oh, ye gates, lift up your head, you, ever, uh, you everlasting doors. Say, I'm an everlasting, door. I'm an everlasting door. You're the door that determines if you're going to leave it open and let that oil keep pouring, keep putting out the pots. And the king of glory shall come in. See, this, I, hear, I hear Ephesians 3 is like, is like God, let God I pray that God strengthen you in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That's what I hear here. It's like, set your heart, set your faith toward God, set your face toward God, and the King of glory will come into your heart. These aren't, you just get, in the New Testament, you just get more understanding and fine-tuning of these kinds of concepts. Are you with me? Not some separate doctrine. All right, so... <clears throat> Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. He is pouring that glory through you. Just stand up with me. Just stand up and lift up your head. Jesus, we set our attention on you. We set our face on you, God. The king of glory the Holy One, the Creator, the Majesty on high. You are the preeminent one. There is no one above you, Jesus. And I lift up my head and my face to you, and I turn towards you, and I recognize that because you love me, you are continually filling me with that love that brings wholeness so that you will pour out into this earth. And I'm just going to live in your love for me and my love for others. I expect you to empower my passion for others. Yeah. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to try to figure out how to make the pot to get the oil into it. I'm just going to serve my heart up to you. I'm going to present myself to you and expect you'll transform me as I believe on the truth as I think the thoughts that you uh, that are based on your reality, God, so that you will be glorified through me and I will be a testimony of your goodness and your righteousness and your power in this earth. I'm tired of the debt. I'm tired of the lack. I'm tired of the sickness. I'm tired of the confusion. I'm tired of all the weight of life. I want to be a a pot, a vessel of your glory in a real way, in a real way, not just some poetic goosebump kind of way, a real way, God, you moving through me, touching lives, bringing wholeness around me. I expect that. I'm, in this moment, I'm not going to try to collapse that immeasurableness into certain ideas. I'm just going to let it be big. I'm just going to increase the capacity of my heart in this moment. And I know that you self-define as someone who immeasurably above, immeasurably above all I can ask or think. Because I, I can see it. In this moment, you're wanting to start making certain decisions, and, and that's all right, but don't let it be limited. Amen. Don't let it limit what he, wants to, what he wants to do through you. Don't let your thoughts be the ending of the pots. Amen.